Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talking about men and women, boys and girls, natural tendencies. And uh, I got a message from uh, Jessica who said, I really like the men with purpose segments. Maybe it's because I have two boys who will be in this crazy society. (laughs) Yeah, and in the last hour I started talking about this. We'll continue it here. The uh, the the op or the the column, I should say, by columnist Dennis Prager. He's also a nationally syndicated radio show host, and he wrote a piece that's at the North State Journal, NSJOnline.com, uh, arguing that today women are disproportionately hurting our country. Now, I know what that sounds like. I'll give you the the skeleton of the of the argument that he he's making again, just to reset the, the topic. I understand that this is the third rail. Um, and no, like Monica wrote and said earlier on Twitter, like this is a trap. Don't answer Pete's question on this ladies. I'm not trying to induce a reaction emotional or otherwise. See, and that's, I gave away the, I gave it away. Like that's, this is his argument. He says men and women, boys and girls, they have natural tendencies. And, He's, and he says this is based on a book he read in college called Naked Nomads uh, that had a huge impl- uh, impact on his life. And it talked about the biggest factor concerning violent crime was that it was overwhelmingly committed by single men. And that society, and he says he agrees with this, and he says raising good men was the most important thing society could do. Because if it doesn't, the male propensity to physical aggression and predatory sexual behavior will wreak havoc. On the society. Therefore, raising boys to control their natures is fundamental to society avoiding chaos. I agree with that premise. I do. I th- and and this, I talk about this on the on the program. I have before. You know, when people say, "Oh, uh, like I've seen this way," you know, um, men or women and children first. Right. That's not a. That's not a sexist thing. That's a thing that recognizes. That's a response that recognizes. Women and children are more important to a society than the men. That's why the men go off and get murdered in war, right? They get they get killed in war because you want to protect the women and children because that's the future of the society. That's a very instinctive kind of a thing. And boys have to be trained at an early age and throughout our lives that you use your powers for good, your physical power, your mental power, but your physical strength— you use that for good. You use it to protect those who cannot protect themselves, to defend the weak. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what makes you noble and good, right? Because there are bad men out there. They will use their strength for bad. And, by the way, when you are good, you will be tested by the bad. They will test you because they will mistake your goodness for weakness, which is why you need to be strong. Okay? Like, these are fundamental concepts, I think, to the culture, to the society, I think, to to any lasting society. So if you believe that, as I do, do you also believe that women have a natural tendency towards certain things, certain behaviors? And he says, Dennis Prager says, Just as the male sexual drive and violent impulses can overwhelm their conscience 
and their ability to think and act rationally, emotions can do the same thing in girls and women, overwhelming the conscience and their ability to think and act rationally. See, so he's saying they are equal. He's not making some sort of a different standard here. He's saying that the natural tendency of the boys can overwhelm the logic, overwhelm the reason, the rationality, and so too can this happen with women. Do you agree with that premise? He obviously does. And he says that because we don't try to disabuse women of this in our society, he says in the last two generations, that this has sort of launched a lot of uh, women into career paths that have a lot of influence on the culture, specifically teaching. He mentions also the medical profession as well. Um, and he ties that into the transgender, sex reassignment, surgeries, and all of that stuff, and, and affirmation, right? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. No, 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 it's okay. Just this nurture, this overabundance of nurture, right, versus toughen up a little bit. No, that's not true. Think ra- think rationally. Think logically, right? That, that, that there's an abandonment of, of one as an ideal, and a focus on the other. Do you agree? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's go to Joe. He's been waiting patiently. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show. How are you? Pete, I totally agree with Prager. I thought it, and he articulated what I've been thinking for a long time. Evidently, he's met my wife. And Pete, please forgive me. I can't. I can't use my real name because she's listening. No. Right on. I understand. I understand. This is the thing. Like, I take these risks so you don't have to. Right? I am. I mean, I know the term hero is a bit overused in today's society, but like, I am doing this. I'm just laying it all on the line because I think it's a. I think it's a worthy discussion that that should be had. Yeah. And- and Pete, I gotta go because she might recognize my voice. Fair enough, Joe. If that is your real name, which it is not. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the call. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to trap women if they call in and start yelling and screaming and crying at me. Uh, I'm not gonna say, "Aha, see, you're acting emotional." Look, I also know you never say that in an argument with your with your uh, wife, right, or a girlfriend. You never say that, or your sister or mom. Never say that. It's and and that's not it. That's not a sexist thing. It's just you, you don't tell, uh, like you don't say, oh, whoa, whoa, you, you oh, don't get mad, bro. Like that, you could do that against guys too. It's not a good way to diffuse an argument. It doesn't matter what gender. But it's a little bit worse with women. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, let me go over here. There's John. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. How you doing? Hey, I'm well. I'm... Yeah, what's up? Okay, just. I'm going to try to be quick. First off, I agree with Prager and his analysis and that. But the other thing is, it's uh, it's very disheartening to me because when I look at these school systems and that, it seems like they're going, they want this thing to be this universal thing that can fit all these needs and that. And I really think people have got to go back to asking the basic question of what do you want the school to do? Because... You know, I'm open to everybody, and I understand different people have different identities and things like that, and that's fine. But when you go to school, uh, no matter who you are or how you identify, if you go through 12 years of school and you get out and you can't read and write and do math, 
which the Charlotte schools all seem to be failing. And what's the point at that point there? What's the point? Okay, great. I, I called Pete Shee all the time in the classroom and that, but Pete got out of school and he can't read and write and do math. No matter who you are or how you identify, if you don't have those basic skills, you're going to fail in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it's like, and that's, and it's like, and I don't know how we got to this thing where it's like, okay, I want the teachers to, to, to expose them to this and expose them to that and all that. And we find all this money for all these different programs. And then every year you hear the same thing from the teachers. Well, I got to take up a collection or I got to pay money out of my pocket to get this kid a pencil or a book or a, a notebook and that. And it's like, you know, it's like with any other service you go to. It's like you bring your car in to be fixed. You don't want to get into with the mechanic and the customer service guy, you know, all this he, she, and all the rest of the stuff. It's like, here's my car. It's running rough. I need it fixed. Right. So it's the same thing with a plumber or anything else. But when you go to school, it's like all of a sudden we're expecting these teachers to not just know their subject that they're teaching, but to be able to counsel the kids on, you know, sexual identity or you know, or counsel them on, you know, you know, drug mm-hmm. things or sex yeah. changes. And all right. That. So, and all right. It's like, and when did they get John. those qualifications? John, all right. So, all right. To, so to answer your question, then I got I to run. I appreciate the call. So to answer your question, why are they doing this stuff? Uh, if I give them the benefit of the doubt, the charitable explanation is mission creep, that they just got so big, gov- government uh, K-12 monopoly schools, right? They got so big that the mission creeps and they just do more and more and more and more and more. Or, if I'm not being charitable, the mission creep and the uh, foray into all of these different areas is the purpose. That's the point. Why would it be the point? Well, I went over this the other day. Chesterton you know, talks about schools being, education being, how we pass our culture to the next generation. So if you are trying to create a different culture for the society going forward, this is how you do it the long march through the institutions. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I think uh, it looks like so far we've got the... uh, Looks like the, uh, the live stream, the digital side of it's been seems like it's been repaired or it's working better now. I don't know. Getting less complaints or fewer complaints, I should say. Um, regarding schools, I got this email here from Tim to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, help me out here. Tell me again why we are forced to pay or fund, rather, an obviously failing public school system that turns out kids that cannot function at eighth grade level, teaches CRT, teaches transgender garbage, and teaches kids to hate each other and hate their own country. I'm so confused. Um yeah, along the lines of the previous caller, right? Is it's like there is an argument to be made that it is mission creep. All large entities, particularly GovCo, uh, they they start doing things that they were not originally designed to do. Mission creep, project creep. It happens in all sorts of projects, big and small, right? You start taking on more things, and you know once you kind of get a handle on the core services, then you start branching out and doing more stuff, and that's the natural tendency of government is to grow and to take more and more liberty from its citizens. And that's at every level. Most people, uh, you know, they get onto city council and they're like, okay, we fixed every pothole. 
uh, replaced every uh, uh, sidewalk. Right, everything's going well. Everything is funded. Everything is perfect. And uh, all right, well, now we don't need to do anything. Yeah, no, they'll look to do other things. They want to do initiatives because they have uh, an incentive to do so. Right, the politicians have an incentive to do so to pitch ideas and to buy votes with things like student debt con- uh, cancellation, right? Things like that. So there's a natural tendency to to do more and more. But it also then distracts you from fulfilling the core services. And over time, you end up not fulfilling the core services if you ever actually were fulfilling them. And then people get frustrated because you're not doing the thing you were chartered to do. Schools is the is the perfect example of it, that over time, the schoolhouse has become more and more and more important to educating kids in all facets of life. And, you know, this has not been something uh, parents and uh, edu- education people, they're all equally to blame here because you had the education people that were saying we should be doing these things. Let us do these things because the kid shows up and he needs X, Y, Z. So we're going to provide that. We should get more money so we can do these things. We've identified a need. We will provide that service, even though it's not reading, writing and arithmetic because they can't do the reading. They can't learn the arithmetic if they're hungry, they don't have clothes, they're you know, uh, they're suffering from anxiety or whatever. I'm not here to argue the merits on all of those uh, programs and needs and and whatever. The point is that that is what motivates a lot of people in the education field, right, to start taking on more and more roles. And a lot of parents have been totally fine letting them do that. There are a lot of parents that say, oh, okay, so you got now a a pre-K thing, so now I could send my my three- or four-year-old to the government school, for daycare, basically, right? Oh, and now they got after-school activities, and I don't have to worry about that. So I can basically, uh, you know, go back to work, and I can have this full day, and and the kids taking care of someplace else. Oh, I don't have to worry about teaching them about, you know, sex ed. I don't have to have that conversation with them because the school is doing it now. And again, not all parents are like this, but there are some, and so there are. There's culpability on both sides, and that's just on the mission creep explanation. The other side of it is that it's the point. It's by design. What we're seeing now in the education field, it is, in fact, to change the culture because they recognize that it is the way you do so. This is not a new concept, right? The uh, Vladimir Lenin, I don't want to go commie on you here, but I really don't like communists. But Lenin was the one who said, you know, give me a generation and I'll give you the revolution. This is the whole point. You take the kid. Why do you think... All of the, the leftist revolutions, all the Marxist revolutions, why are they always so interested in indoctrinating the kids? Why is that? Well, first off, kids make bad decisions. That's part of being a kid, right? You make bad decisions. And you don't know stuff. You don't know a lot of stuff. And what's worse is uh, you don't know that you don't know a lot of stuff. You're not even aware of that. So you're impressionable. You're easier to manipulate, right? You can, if you can separate the kid from the family unit, then the kid will rely on you for guidance, for support. You're the, you're the soft shoulder to cry upon, right? So there are political benefits. If you are interested in advancing radical ideology, there's benefit to being in that place, 
being in that system and structure to advance that ideology. So, and again, I, I'm not I'm not casting this net upon everyone. I'm saying uh, all the people in, in in the industry. I'm saying that there are people like that in that industry. There are people, uh, whether it's mission creep or that's the purpose. So, and, and both can be true. You don't have to pick one or the other. September is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, and that means we're doing the annual Little Heroes Blood Drives. It's the third year we've been doing it here at WBT. Every week, all this month, uh, we are hosting a blood drive. It's at the uh, Jack Daniels Doghouse there at Minton Moorhead Street with the One Blood Big Red Bus. Just uh, look for the Big Red Bus. Blood donations are critical, treating all forms of cancer. Are you aware of that? Like the amount of blood transfusions cancer patients need, uh, it's remarkable. And uh, especially with the kids that are fighting for their lives, this is a, a way that you can help. So uh, go to WBT.com for the details, and you can reserve your appointment to make a donation. So please, if you can, help us out. We appreciate it. The third annual Little Heroes Blood Drives at the Doghouse. Thanks again also to Affordable Siding and Windows, Rich and Richie over there, as well as Paul and his crew at Jameson Realty for all of their amazing support of the event, too. Um, all right, so talking about, well, we were talking about education. We were also talking about uh, the differences between boys and girls and uh, this rise of, uh, for lack of a better term, wokeism, the church of wokeism, uh, and it is infecting all areas of our lives. And it is, a, in large part, a denial of reality while asserting that it is, in fact, real. And so here's another example of it, and I talked about mission creep before, and when you start doing these other things, you lose sight of the thing that you were actually chartered to do. Here's an example from today's, or yesterday's, Washington Free Beacon, freebeacon.com, by Adam Credo. A division of the U.S. Pacific Air Forces, the branch tasked with confronting China, has ordered its senior leaders and commanders to stop using gender pronouns in written formats, saying the shift to more neutral language will help improve the fighting force's lethality, which I got to tell you, I never heard of this benefit to the abandonment of pronouns and this reordering of our language to keep everybody in chaos. I was uh, I was unaware that this made us more lethal. Uh, I mean, to other people rather than just ourselves and our society. I, I mean, I always understood that. That's the sort of the postmodernist penchant for chaos. Um, this, this lethality argument is brand new to me, though. So we're going to be stronger. We're going to be more deadly. Yeah, yeah. G and Ju. Is that, a, is that a pronoun? I don't know. I have a, a screenshot here from the Free Beacon. This was an email that went out to senior leaders and commanders at the Anderson Air Force Base in Guam, which, as far as I know, has not yet tipped over. So Hank Johnson from uh, Georgia, Congressman Johnson, should be very happy. Um, but that operates under the Pacific Air Forces, according to a partial copy of the order obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. And so here it is. In accordance with the diverse PACAF priority... We must embrace, promote, and unleash the potential of diversity and inclusion. 
Competition against near-peer adversaries requires a united focus from the command, the joint team, and our international partners. Welcoming and employing varied perspectives from a foundation of mutual respect will improve our interoperability, efficiency, creativity, and lethality. Do not use pronouns. Unauthorized examples. (laughs) Here are the unauthorized examples. He or she did something. Don't say that. Do not say he or she. Do not use categories like best male or best female. Do not use categories like youngest or oldest. And then here's another one. Sergeant Murray. So are you not supposed to use the rank? Is that the offensive part of Sergeant? It literally just says unauthorized examples and a bullet point says Sergeant Murray. Is the use of the name wrong or is the use of the rank wrong? Because from what I understand in the military, the rank thing is kind of important, right? Is that authorized examples? This sergeant. That's what you're supposed to say. This sergeant. Well, what if they're not here? What if they're not present? I mean, I understand if you're hanging a medal around their neck or something or pinning a pin on the chest, then they're going to be there. And you could say this, sar- this sergeant. But you should not say Sergeant Murray. You should say this sergeant. But what if this sergeant isn't there, isn't present? Then do you say that sergeant? This NCO, this member. That's how they want you to refer to everybody as this, this person, this, 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 this. I don't know about that. Do not use pronouns like age, race, etc. When writing performance reviews or other materials like recommendations for awards, The policy change is part of a larger effort by the Biden administration and U.S. military to foster what it says is a more culturally sensitive environment. The U.S. Navy, for instance, recently published a video instructing its sailors on proper gender pronouns. Because when seconds count, like you're under fire in a battle of some kind, you really want your people to be thinking, oh, my God, what pronoun do I? And then they're all dead. The Army also mandates gender identity training and it trains officers on when to offer subordinates gender transition surgery. Mission creep. Is this... Is that really... You're going to go to your CO and say, I think I'm... uh, I think I got gender dysphoria and I really should be this other gender. By the way, when you go in for the gender reassignment surgery, what are your options? Are there only two? I only ask because I've been assured there were way more than two sexes. Two genders, right? So why is it always like one to the other or the other to the one? So it, it, like how many options are actually available? I know. These are the questions that bounce around in my brain. I don't know why. Hello, Bob. Welcome to the program. What's up, Bob? Yeah, I'm fairly new to your program. I, I was a devoted Rush, Rush guy for 20 years. But uh, Well, thank you. I, not, you were talking about education and what's happening with the schools and stuff. And, and my, you know, I, I'm a kind of history buff. One of the great villains in history is Vladimir Lenin. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the First World War, 1919, he, he died somewhere between 1919 and 1923. And he had lots of favorite sayings and stuff. And one of his observations I always thought was salient 
is uh, he was a great admirer of the American military and how they could move military in the First World War, and because that's what saved Europe, of course, in itself. But one of his points made was we can never confront the United States of America frontally, militarily, can't be done, impossible. The way we have to take the United States is through the education system. And old Vlad, he's won. He's taken the educational system, he's, over, he's overpowered it, overwhelmed it. And I remember we lived in Michigan, in Birmingham, Michigan, one of the top school districts. And 40 years ago, they were bringing in values, clarifications and stuff. That, and we had friends who quit teaching because there were this crap uh, that goes on changing the education system. I'm sorry. Uh, hang on, Bob. I, uh, the, are you on a speakerphone? No. Oh, okay. Hang on a second. Oh, that's better. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't. I couldn't make out the last. Yes, yeah, sir. I can. Great. So you said that yeah. the uh, this was up in Michigan. You were saying that the yeah, and it was the city of Birmingham. It's a small suburb north of Detroit. It was always highly rated. You know, a terrific uh, acceptance to colleges and stuff. But two friends of ours, both were teachers. They, they I remember there were several of the Kennedy family family came in. At the, at the meetings on values clarification, which at the time that was when Brother Ted was at his zenith. Ah, but, uh, values codification. You know, Interesting. Well, when it's taken, you know, I mean, whatever they've done to the education system, especially like this with his pronouns and mm-hmm. and this race business and stuff, you know, uh, I, I just I just bleed for what's happening, especially in minority communities. Uh, you know, we saw it in Detroit. We lived there 51 years. And the the undermining of the education system, the school system, and who suffers the most? It's the it's the young people, especially in the black community, who suffer from poor education. It's it's that's where the real well, also in uh, in the in the criminal justice reform efforts as well. What we have seen, yeah, yeah the these these swings towards that end of the uh, spectrum as well. Bob, I, I appreciate the call. Thanks for sharing uh, the insight. Uh, yeah, Detroit is it, what a tragic story. The whole. Just the whole city, the whole history of the of Detroit over the last fifty years. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. Let me get to a couple uh, messages here that have come in on various platforms. Here is a couple emails. Uh, Jan says, "I obviously missed the earlier part of the show where this was uh, being gone over. However, I do believe." You would have an easier time teaching a cat to fetch or teaching water to run uphill. And just so you know, sleeping on the couch is just like camping. This uh, regarding the topic of teaching women and girls to be more rational and less emotional. Um, I did not say that. Jan said that. Uh, Rhonda Lennon told me that if you put your name on the test, you get 50 points. Then the kids get to take the test as many times as they want. Uh, that is from Ann. Uh, yes, I've actually, I, I have uh, relatives, I shall say, in the education field, and I have heard similar accounts that they basically just boosted up the uh, the bare minimum to count as passing, and that's how they promoted people through the ranks, uh, students through the ranks. This from Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He says, this applies well to your discussion, Pete. Pornell's Iron Law of Bureaucracy. It states that in any bureaucratic organization, there will be two kinds of people. First, there will be those who are devoted to the goals of the organization. 
those devoted to the goals of the organization. Examples are dedicated classroom teachers in an educational bureaucracy, many of the engineers and launch techs and scientists at NASA, even some agricultural scientists and advisors in the former Soviet Union, Collective Farming Administration. So that's the first group, right, devoted to the goals of the organization. Secondly, there will be those dedicated to the organization itself. Examples are many of the administrators in the education system, many professors of education, many teachers, union officials, much of the NASA headquarters staff, etc. So Purnell's Iron Law of Bureaucracy says that these two groups of people, the law, the Iron Law states that in every case, the second group that cares more about, that's dedicated to the organization, they will eventually gain and keep control of the organization It will write the rules and control promotions within the organization. Think homeowners associations. Um, Dave says he's so glad he retired from the Air Force before all of this stuff took effect. Uh, And uh, Eric uh, says, I can't believe that you let Boomer tell people to merge right as quickly as you can. You have a moral obligation, Pete, to stay in the empty left lane until you reach the merge point. The zipper merge will rise again. It's true. I didn't hear I didn't hear Boomer say it. I would have corrected him immediately had I heard him say it. I apologize. I didn't hear it. This mission creep issue, I think, is also evident in Jackson, Mississippi. Have you heard what's going on down there with this water uh, problem? U.S. Uh, so President Joe Biden approved an emergency declaration over a water crisis in the state of Mississippi and ordered federal assistance uh, to supplement the state's response. They, uh, the state activated its National Guard to help distribute water to tens of thousands of Jackson residents after a long-troubled treatment plant broke down, leaving most of the state capital without safe running water, probably for days. Tankers have been distributing non-potable water, and bottled drinking water was distributed at several sites, but... It's tough. They're running out of the water. The breakdown occurred when floodwaters seeped into the understaffed and poorly maintained OB Curtis treatment plant, which now the mayor of the city is saying this is systemic racism. That's why the plant failed. But the EPA has been say, has been citing this plant saying, you don't have enough staff. You guys are ignoring. You're not trying to recruit people. You're not trying to hire the, uh, the certified people to operate the plant. What are you doing? See, they lost focus of what their core service was. They lost focus. And they he wanted to be the most radical city. The mayor ran on a platform of being the most radical, progressive city. And now they don't have water. So he, so he did it. All right, we'll see you Tuesday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.